Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast and we are here with Jared and Cooks today and we're going to talk through the week 17 of the URC and some of the rugby happening all around the world and some big news that has hit South African rugby at the moment. Um, I'm Tala, I'm joined by Jared and Cooks. We are almost at full squad. Jared has now made, in the last week, Jared has now made a new best friend in a certain flank in, 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 in Cape Town. And Cooks has made friends with all of the Sharks in, in Durban as well. And I'm just here as the, you know, the day-to-day person that you Rugby Bits listeners can, can relate to. Jared, let's start with you. Let's actually get the lowdown. You have, you interviewed Dion Ferry for your, um, for Planet Rugby. How was that experience? Yeah, how's it, Tyler? How's it, Cooks? Uh, good to be talking to you Oaks again. Um, yeah, it was great speaking to Dion. Um, yeah, thanks for plugging the article straight away in the podcast. That's that's always good. That's why we pay you the big bucks. Um, yeah, went went pretty in depth from the start of his career at school all the way through to um, making his book debut. So, yeah, I I enjoyed the chat. I hope the article came out that way. So, yeah, check it out if uh, if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, that is on Planet Rugby. You can see um, Dion Ferry talk about yeah his his career, getting into the Springboks, and yeah, just the great things that he's doing for the Stormers. Cooks, you were in Durban on Friday night watching the Sharks in, in Benetton. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. I got to watch the Sharks live again. I always enjoy going to Kings Park. Um, very nice stadium. Um, the beers wasn't as cold, so that wasn't the only complaint <laughs> that uh, I must say, which put me in a bad in a, in a slight baddish mood and also didn't help the Sharks being 14-0 down in the first five minutes. But yeah, it was good fun. Um, all is, I think I, I think Kings Park is, I, I don't know, it, it, it's going up there is one of my favorite grounds to go out. I, I, I really do I really do like it. Um, I think it's going to be pumping there this weekend because obviously the Sharks need a win. But um, yeah, all is good, um, all is good uh, to see the Sharks live. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the beers will be a lot colder for the for the fans this weekend. Yeah, and uh, I think that we'll get to it, but that's going to be a massive match between Sharks and Munster. But as always, we start our Rugby Bits podcast with the first phase question. And this week's question is inspired by Chris Ashton re- reaching his 100th um, try for in, in Premiership Rugby and him doing a little nod to the old Felipe Contoponi um, celebration of capping, of capping for his own try. And we want to ask, you know, the right people's public, what's their favorite try celebration? Cooks, um, I saw yours on on Twitter. I, I thought it was a really good one. Oh man, I, I used to love Jean Dion celebrations um, at a stage. I mean, like obviously there's one of the Apple, even Apple had that one. It was like a, a weird wave thing, and then obviously he had that one he scored against the Sharks, uh, the Gangnam style one. So that is that is probably my favorite. But the one, my ultimate ultimate favorite, one, I couldn't. I kept searching for the video on the internet is every time Reno Benjamin scored and he used the rugby ball as a cell phone is an ultimate super rugby classic. That that one, that celebration always has my heart. Yeah, look, I think most of these favorite celebrations come from super rugby. I think super rugby is definitely basically the competition for for these things. 100%. I mean, um, super rugby is where... First of all, like watching rugby on a Friday morning, I mean, um, you got you, you got to entertain us South Africans here who are avoiding lectures or avoiding meetings or what, but choosing to watch rugby or sneaking to watch rugby. So the least they can do is come up with uh, interesting celebrations. But 
the, yeah, most of them are coming from super rugby, like like the Masagas, the the DBO one. You think you don't find many in Test rugby, but I think um, Oaks are too serious. But um, super rugby is definitely the platform for 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 for, for good celebration. Uh, yeah. So just to run through some of the other traditions, um, few people did the Digbyani when he did. I think the Australian commentators called it the turtle. I'm not sure if that's the actual name that is given to that dance, but Digbyani was just spinning on the on the ground there. Um, I I also and there's some few that were talking about the Danny Cipriani when he did the Dougie. Um, which was, yeah, I think thank you, Danny Cipriani playing in the Melbourne Rebels with all of the other um, young kids in Australia was peak streets won't forget rugby. And then, yeah, there, there's there's also the, the the Lions actually have a, quite a few, you know, with um, Visit Chutuka and, and Wandi Similani. They used to be a, a bit of a tag team. So they did a few dances, a few WWE moves as well. Jared, what's your favorite try celebration? Yeah, I think we've run off quite a few of them with the uh, Sips and uh, Digby Arnie. Um, but I, I, I must say, I'm I'm quite a classic. I do love that uh, Francois Lowe where he uh, cracks the ball open like a like a can of Coke and drinks out of it. I'm sure he did it at the, the World Cup. But he <laughs> a used can to of do Coke. Bath often, often. Yeah, why not a can of Coke? What else do you want to call it? Are we going to go for a beer or champagne? <laughs> Jeez, Jared, beer at least. I mean, this is a... Not a, a, at least it's a PG podcast. You can be edgy, uh, Jared. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Cooks. I, I, I actually forgot to mention, uh, you, you, you sound like you're becoming the SA Rugby Stadium um, connoisseur, hey, the way you rank in the beer taste and the, <laughs> the coldness of the beer. And yeah, uh, Kings Park is becoming one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, you, you're really becoming a connoisseur that you can go and visit each one of these every other week. <laughs> hey, Jared, uh, let me live through I, I, I grew up in PE. I went to one stadium the whole time, and then turned into a block of. It wasn't a block of flats. It's, it's pretty much nothing. The, the, the old Port Erasmus. So just let me be. Before I moved to Joburg, I was, only yeah, going, uh, I was going to Falcon. I was going to George. <laughs> I was going to Falker. So like, let me live my life, bro. Let me go to Ellis Park and the last stadiums, Jared. Please. <laughs> Cooks, you, you, you interrupted me, man, but I was gonna say, I, I, I was gonna say, I am saying it enviously. It doesn't sound like it, but I am saying it enviously. <laughs> you live in the high life over here while we all sitting inside, man. I'm trying, Jared. I'm just, I just don't want to go back to Welcome Stadium. I, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I, I did that. I want to live the good life now. I want to, I want to go to Kings Park. Ah, I want to go to I want to go to DHL Stadium. That's the only places I want to. I don't want to go to the old New. I'm bleak and go to the old Newlands, but like if the storm is playing Donny Craven. I'm not going. I'm sorry. I'm only going to high class <laughs> World Cup stadiums. <laughs> the poor uh, Donny Craven just catching a stray there. What the hell? And, and it's such a class stadium to go to, actually. But it's no, it doesn't meet the yeah. connoisseur standards. <laughs> If, it, if it's not if it's not had any World Cup action, I'm not going. I don't care about the <laughs> about the vibe. I'm not going. You, you, you won't see. I'm not going to be there. It, it, it has to have seen World Cup action. It has to have seen Luis Suarez, Lionel Messi, any sort of World Cup action. I don't even handle like handball World Cup. Any sort of World Cup, the stadium must be be involved in. I'll be there. If, if it's World so, Cup stadiums, I'm not going. Sorry, Ronnie Craven. <laughs> I apologize. Could you, don't you, this you, you 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 you. You're here for the class. You're not here for the vibes. Fuck the vibes. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. I just want to be treated nicely. I want a booty roll. I want to. I want some sushi. Or some caviar. Tell her I want to live a good life. Tell her that's 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 what I want when I'm watching when I'm watching rugby. I, I want to drink. I'll, I'll handle. I'll deal with good beer, but in between there, I don't want brie rolls. Brie rolls are for when I go Donny Craven. Oh my goodness, we have turned cooks into this animal. I can see where this is going. Have you seen those TikToks of the guys that go to the padded seats in the Premiership or English uh, stadiums here? Yeah, and uh, I can see, I can see Cooks becoming that that influencer. He's not going to do his commentary on TikTok and Instagram anymore. <laughs> He's going to be raiding stadiums and uh, what what the uh, um, boxes are like, and which stadium has the, uh, and which box has, is the best at each stadium. We're heading down a dangerous road here. <laughs> I'm, yeah. just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying this because I've got to spend a week in Kimberley soon, so I'm I'm, I'm trying to get all the nice stadiums out. So. <laughs> I'm going back to the real world soon. Don't worry. I'll be a different man when you pot again in three weeks' time. Look, it, it's, I, I can give you a bit of a, a thing. You can try to, um, uh, what do you call it, like pitch this to the super sport, um, your bosses there. But how about like an alternative to date night drip? Do like a, a, a box trip. So what boxes are good for dates? And then you go to all these um, stadiums around the country, maybe even around the world, and then you just test out and say, okay, food's 8 out of 10, drinks are 9 out of 10, vibes are 10 out of 10, great place for a date. I think it's a good idea. I'll offer a bit to sort of, that's our service we can provide to, to Supersport. Um, I'll say that Sharky and Tala are, so Jerry can do the, the England side, Tala can handle... The Boyland, the Boyland, and um, Kimberleys and the Northern Cape. I'll take care of the other stadiums. <laughs> just, to, just to balance it all out. I mean, Sharky can do Hamiltons and all of that, all those places. I'll, I'll do the rest. Also, with other like Kings Park, you know, Loftus, that, that I'll do. I mean, there's a team effort at the end of the day. Jared can do the overseas league. Yeah, Cooks, I'm liking this idea. Dude. No, I'm liking it. <laughs> Yeah, because you're the one going to English stadiums. I'm going now to where <laughs> Paul, Boland Park, and all these places. It's not, not working out well for me. Hey, you said Tony Craven is the best, so yay, yeah, man. Send me there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, so coming from that and moving on from some of the tri-celebrations and oh, actually just one very quick thing. I think just congratulations to Chris Ashton. I think, I don't know, Jared, I think he's the most English rugby looking player or like looking or like English rugby person ever. He's just so dis- unlikable. Like you can, you can understand why the opposition fans hate him, but obviously he's just an amazing winger. He deserves, fully deserves this record. Yeah, he, he really does deserve it. And the thing is, is I think he is incredibly unlikable when you're playing against him, but he's played for just about every English premiership club now that they no, like, he's more loved <laughs> than hate. <laughs> I, uh, have you seen how many clubs he's played for? He's played for Saints, uh, Tigers, Harlequins, Newcastle. I, I don't think he played for Newcastle, but Saracens. the Warriors, Saracens. Uh, how can I forget Saracens? But yeah, he's played for all of those Toulon. teams. So I think, yeah, Toulon. Yeah, well, he's also like Cooks. He went with yeah. the full glamour. Hey? He wasn't going to go to any kind of uh, <laughs> low class uh, top fourteen club. He wanted uh, the best, the best. Eh? He wanted there by the seaside, <laughs> by in the in the winelands. He's not going to <laughs> Paris or something like that. Even Paris is too cool for him. 
No, and yeah, class on that Philippi Contiponi celebration as well. Cooks? I just wonder, like, I mean, when he, when he eventually retires, where is the retirement game going to be? Is it going to be, like, split in, like, between, like, all, all those sides? Like, it's going to be, like, in 10-minute segments. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, like he's, he's played everywhere. But I must say, he's, he's, like, I mean, he has. But, I mean, 100 tries, and that's, that's an amazing effort. And it's it's crazy how, I mean, even now, as, as he's obviously getting, getting a bit older, Flippy's finishing instincts are still, the it's still so razor, razor sharp, and he's a hell of a finisher. And, I like when um, records are held by really good finishers. I also like when, like when trial scoring records are held by wings. So I'm glad that he was the first one in Premiership history to get 100 trials. And like, yeah, it's hard. To, like Jared said, it's hard to hate him. He's played for every single team. So eventually, you, you've had to support him. So you kind of just, he's kind of just forced to like Chris Ashton. Yeah, I think we. It's getting to that point where the the tide is turning um, for his favor now. But let's talk about the big news of the weekend. We were, well, we, it was basically just another Saturday afternoon of, of, of preparing to watch rugby. And then the big news broke um, in, in two parts. That first of all, Jacques Nienaber is not going to continue as the Springbok, uh, Springbok rugby coach after the Rugby World Cup. And then that he has, he's going to be appointed, or that he's been appointed as the head coach of Leinster um, following, this, following this season as well. So obviously a big bombshell of news that we didn't really expect because there's a lot of talk about both Ninaba and Erasmus, Rassi Erasmus continuing up to 2025. Jared, I'll start with you by just asking you about if this was something that maybe you had a bit of knowledge of, this was something that was maybe being talked about and rumored about in the press, or did it also catch you by surprise that, um, the, that Ninaba is departing after the World Cup? Yeah, I, I think it pretty much blindsided everyone. Um, I, I don't know if somebody maybe got hold of something that they were going to release on the Sunday and SA Rugby just decided that they will get ahead of it. Um, yeah, so I don't know if the news was going to come out that he had signed for Leinster because Leinster was in the country already, so they would have been able to talk to them then. So, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's, uh, nobody really saw it coming from what I've seen. Um, the reaction in Ireland was pretty much the same. Um, they were caught um, completely by surprise by it. And uh, yeah, kudos to Leinster. Um, they're losing Stuart Lancaster. Um, he's highly regarded, highly rated, and he's going to coach. Uh, well, I was going to say he's going to go coach um, Finn at Racing, but Finn's also departing. So so yeah, for, for them to pick up somebody of Jacques' caliber is incredible for them. It's a scary prospect for the rest of the the teams, and yeah, I'm I'm sad uh, to see Jacques go. I would have liked him to stay on. Um, since the news came out, there was there's also stories that uh, he was actually offered a contract extension until 2027, which he turned down and signed for Leinster. So. So yeah, it's a, a bit of a harsh one for us to take, but uh, yeah, we, we, I wish him well when he goes to Leinster, but uh, there's a small matter of a walk up to defend before then. Yeah, he's obviously still got a big matter to to sort out before he leaves, but yeah, it is, yeah, it is, it is quite um, quite a shock because it didn't seem like anyone was really expecting it. Then Cooks on your side, what? It's it's an interesting, um, you know, coaching area that we've had with Jacques Nienaber. Obviously, 
it happened in unprecedented times with um, the COVID pandemic happening um, in uh, all around the world in 2020, which effectively meant for the Springboks that they had no rugby. Well, they had no rugby in 2020. And then in, you know, in 2021, their first test matches against um, the British and Irish Lions, and they did manage to win that series. They have managed to pretty much have a decent record. Ninaba has a 62% win record as, as of today. Um, you know, being able to at least get, you know, winning, winning more than he loses, of course, um, against most of the, um, of the top of the tier one sides. But yeah, Cooks, what's your reflection on the Jacques Ninaba era? What, yeah, how do you think he'll be remembered? And obviously this is before considering if he wins or doesn't win the Rugby World Cup. I think, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously, I think the first part where I want to start with the Jacques Ninaba era is obviously him coming in 2018, him and Rassi. I think the job he did as a, as a Springbok defensive coach from 2018 to in 2019, arguably turned the Springboks to the best defensive side in the world. And um, and and playing and def- as defending in a way that basically teams or well, bar the All Blacks could could get around, in the, which was a fantastic effort. And just obviously, I think for me, Ushak Ninaba, watching watching the sun and hearing the insult and hearing how he talks about his defense and how he gets Oaks riled up in the way he went about his business is something that, for me, it's one of that. It's hard not to be impressed. Hard not to you know, have think good things about him, but. Um, I think he was a coach, um, as a head coach. I think it's the job he's done. I mean, he beat the Lions, which is which is massive, coming off no rugby in 2020 and essentially playing an SAA side the first time where it looked like a Springbok combination side had gone together. I think that's a fantastic achievement. I mean, in in crazy, crazy times when when there was no one at the stadium um, and to still beat, I thought, a very good Lions side um, and then to come back, well, come, come back from one nil down and that's an incredible achievement. I think there's been amazing wins in his era. I mean, you look at the All Blacks, the All Blacks winning now spread, tricking them last year. But there's also, there's such frustrating losses in there. Like, you know, the, the fact that the Wallabies have won three times out of four against us. Yes, it was great to finally get the, to get a win in Australia after a long time. But this loss like that, I mean, yes, cause didn't go away against France and Ireland. But I think, He's, I'm going to remember him. I think his biggest thing he's done for me as a head coach is his ability to create, to have created depth after we'd lost a year. You look at the likes, I mean, I mean, the, I mean, our wings are ridiculous at the moment. If Kanan Moody, Kurt Lawrence, Amapimpi, Colby, Spoon Corsi, I mean, he could miss out. And then you, you look at the guys who've come in, like Jaden, Jaden Hendricks, uh, I mean, Jay, like Jaden Hendricks has come in. And then you look at, I mean, Jasper Visa's come from nowhere and now is arguably replacing Dwayne. Uh, Damon Willems, so the resurgence of him coming in and being the play, the, the new front stain or we could play him at 12-15. So there's certain players that still come through and we've still been able to create depth. And he's done that without having, with one missing an entire year of rugby, which is actually, which is massive. And he's, and what I love the most is, my, yes, he's a 62% win ratio, but we still feel like the box are still one of the best stars in the world and can still go and defend the World Cup title. I think obviously he's the, the a lot of it is dependent on how he finishes this year, but we can't underestimate the job he's done in terms of missing an entire year of rugby and still competing against the Lions and still being in a position to defend and still create depth in that. I think that's, that for me is an, an incredible job. 
Yeah, Cook, so I'm fully with you there, and I love that you bring up that year that we miss out. And I think we talk about it a lot, but I think it has hurt us. And I I think one thing that he won't really, well, there's a lot of things he won't get uh, a hell of a lot of credit for because a lot of his work still gets assigned to Rassi. Um, But I I, I think uh, you're right with him building depth, and I think... We don't. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of credit for being very innovative in um, the way the Springboks have played. But how many times have we spoken about how the attack looks so much better and um, we really get in somewhere on attack? It just needs a little bit more time to click. So I think uh, we it, we'll s- probably see the um, the work over the last two years come out this year. I think, and yeah, like you say, he, he's. He's given a lot of young players opportunities and people hop on about him um, giving Dion Faree a test debut and continually selecting um, Dwayne Vermeulen and yeah, picking Mornay staying at a stage as well and selecting these older players. But these older statesmen have still come in and done a job for the Springboks. So you think about Francois Stein um, during that November series where he played so well and uh, that game against the All Blacks where he also had a great game. So, yeah, I I think there are some great things that he won't get the recognition he probably deserves. And, um, yeah, it's a bit sad in a way, but hopefully if we win a World Cup, uh, everyone will praise him as uh, the head coach that he probably deserves to be praised as. I think think the one thing, the hard part for me, I think it's, I just really wish, I think Taylor mentioned in the tweet as well, I just really wish we'd have won one um, a rugby championship, in like a full one. Um, I think obviously this year we have, a, we have a chance to win it again, but mm. obviously it's been cut short because the World Cup would have been very nice just to win one, especially last year. That was a frustrating thing, but you, you, you look at the, like where rugby landscape is and um, we win against France or against Ireland last year. The, his record looks a lot different. I mean, there's a lot of things that changes, but um, but yeah, I think for me, if I, if I had given the only bad, not a, not a bad mark, the only slight is having not won a full rugby championship. I thought we had the means to win it. I mean, Argentina was up and down. Ian Foster basically getting emails saying he's fired and then getting texts in the morning saying he's not fired. And Dave Rennie obviously got coaching uh, 15-year-olds because of the young Wallaby side. So it'd be nice <laughs> to have had won one. Um, but... Like, yeah, but if he wins the World Cup this year, it's going to be, obviously, it all changes. I think, obviously, all he's planning is leading to a World Cup. But I think even if he doesn't, I still think it's a very big monumental term in what he's done in the job. It's never easy taking over an Oak who's won a World Cup and then missing out on a year. So I think, I still think it holds him up in good stead. And I think his job, I think one of his best legacies is what happens post-2023 in the the players coming in, the continuation of the job you'll do. So that's what I'm most excited about in Leinster. I hate the fact that the rich keep getting richer. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible group to get. No, I think, Cooks, you lead to a great point there. And I think there's many ways of assessing a Bok coach. Um, you know, obviously, there's you can say there's scales of Bok coaches. You have, obviously, like Rudolf Strolli at the bottom, and you have, like, Jake Rassi, um, Nick Mallet, maybe even Peter De Villiers near the top. And yeah, I think Ninaba sort of falls pretty much at the middle, but closer to the top of that um, tree. Um, you know, just on the base of results, obviously he's able to 
you know, he's one, obviously, you know, just 60% is just, just below the average, I think, of like the, the better coaches that the Springboks have had. They've usually tried to win about 65 plus percent. Um, but as you said, Cooks, I think we're now, I think, in a much better place or at least looking to be in a better place for 2024 than we might have been in other in, in other like eras when we've like finished an era of players and going to a new era because as Cooks mentioned earlier, the likes of Jaden Hendricks, uh, Kirkley Arendt uh, have all been identified and found in, in this in this particular um, run. And things like, I think what Ninova's done is just given us, and I guess obviously to, extending to Rassi Erasmus as well, because obviously he's still been involved, is they've given us a, a relatively drama-free um, Springbok coaching regime. Okay, apart from Rossi's <laughs> tweets, but <laughs> but it's just a, it has a small part of uh, it's just a, it's a part of that small small little dose. <laughs> we were, I, I I said that then I remembered, but it hasn't been it hasn't been this sort of drama, which is like you know backroom stuff happening, like you know coaches fighting Saru, Saru fighting coaches, coaches fighting other domestic coaches. Um, Rassi and Ninob have done really well with transformation and have done have taken it head on, which I think most um, fans, and especially I think black fans, have really appreciated that it's not been something that they've tried to dance around. They've been quite direct about it. They've been quite they've taken ownership of it and they've done really well with, you know, finding and identifying backing players that I don't necessarily think they would have been backed in, in, in other eras, honestly. Um, and they've done really well with that. And I think the only thing, as Cooks has mentioned, that's been missing is this is this is a team that has the potential and you know has all the tools to be the best in the world, and they're probably three or four wins um, throughout the last two years away from that. And you know, a rugby championship here, maybe winning against one of France or Ireland at the end of year tour last year, we're seen as favourites for the Rugby World Cup. Where the num- undisputed number one side in the world. And, you know, that would be sort of just desserts for a really talented team. But, you know, obviously with all the context that we've mentioned now, there is a reason why that we haven't maybe had that. And yeah, the unfortunate thing with Ninaba is, and I was thinking about this, thinking, you know, if you want to write an article about whether, before the news came out, whether Ninaba deserves an extension, you'd say that he deserves an extension because you can see now what the game plan is is becoming, and you can see what the development will be post, you know, this era of Springboks. You saw it in the end of your tour. So it would have actually been great if he did have maybe another two years or four years so that he can really fully grow and develop the game. So yeah, I think he's 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 been relatively successful. I think he does probably get to about a six out of ten. But it's also been clear that the goal, I think, for the Springboks has been the British and Irish Lions series, which they won, of course, and now the Rugby World Cup. So it's clear it's gonna the the proof will be in that pudding. And unfortunately, we saw also how difficult it is to maintain that sort of 70, 80, 90% winning record while trying to develop depth. Like I think there's a lot of appreciation that Springbok fans have with those 2010s all black teams. So moving on to the future. Um, Jared, who are the candidates? Who are the people that um, would be considered as potential options to be the new Springbok head coach? Yeah, um, 
I, I'll plug another article, but I did write it uh, about it on Planet Rugby. Um, but yeah, if if we look at it like um, like I, I ran through a lot of options there and a lot of um, maybes and outside bets. But if we look at it seriously, um, like as the main contenders, we're probably looking at um, Rossi taking over the role again for another two years. I think that's very very likely that that could happen. And um, during that period, he either he's gonna he would mentor um, Stick and uh, Dion Davids uh, for the role. I think that's very very much a possibility, and I think Stick is probably uh, the front runner um, for the new Springbok coach, if I can put it that way. After Rusty takes over for another two years. Whether they think uh, Stick is ready for it um, from next year or not is uh, something I don't think any of us can really answer. But he he, he's be, he is being groomed as the next uh, as a Springbok head coach, and I think he will get the job eventually. Um, but yeah, you know, outside of those two, um, I, I think uh, Cooks will will get excited. But I think uh, John Dobson is definitely a um, a candidate. Um, I think he, him and Davids are a little bit behind um, stick for the role if, if we go in a pecking order. I think there's a little bit of a gap between them. And uh, yeah, I, I think we'll still hear the same names like uh, Johan Ackermann come back up. Um, it was funny enough, I saw a vote on Facebook where um, they put Nick Mallett up as an option, which I don't think will ever happen again. Um, I think Nick Mallett is but his coaching hat down. Was this Facebook in 2003? It, believe it or not, it was this week. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 it definitely won't happen. And um, uh, an outside bet that I, I did put in there, and I think it is a, a very likely one. It's one of the more likely outside bets is um, Johan van Kran. And it's just, um, he is... He, Highly regarded by Rassi. He Rassi recommended him for the uh, monster job, and yeah, you can point to the non-success that uh, Monster had when he was there. But I think he did a lot of good work there, and people will point to Bath this season. But he's doing a complete overhaul there. So, so yeah, I think uh, he's definitely a guy that could be in the mix. Whether he puts his name forward for the job or not is an entirely different question. But yeah, in short, I think uh, Stoker and Dion Davids are, and Dobbo are the, are the three front runners. Yeah, I think that's quite comprehensive, Jared, as to all the options that are available. Um, one that I would also like to throw in the ring as a potential, I think you did mention it in your article, Jared, was Franco Smith, who's obviously having a fantastic season with Glasgow at the moment. He has been an assistant coach for the Springboks. Um, uh, during the Alice Kukutsia area. So he might also be someone that has international experience, obviously coached in Italy and now coached in other places as well. He might be a bit more uh, ready for the head coaching job than perhaps some some of the other sort of second tier options after um, the current assistants and uh, John Dobson as well. Cooks. I put it on the run sheet or on our chat as your two minutes on John Dobson. So you make the pitch. Sarah's listening to you right now. Why is Dobbo the man for the job? 
first of all, uh, talking about the Nick Mallet um, Facebook um, poll, I don't think Nick will survive. I mean, the, 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 the cost of tickets prices in 2023 will rattle his cage and then he'll get fired again. <laughs> so um, that's, that's out the, that's, that's out, that one is out the window. Um, I'm just saying, that's, that's what happened last time. I'm like, yeah, that's, that, was, that was in like 99, 2000. Whoa, now, team, 600 bucks, watch the ticket, watch the box. And all that's the, that was a goal, Mr. Mallet. And, I, and I, I'm here for his fight. I'm here for his fight. <laughs> but um, if, I mean, first thing I'm saying to sorrow John Dobson, I think it's he's the most successful local local coach at the moment. Um, he's one at every level. He's coached at Bar Super Rugby. I mean, URC, Varsity Cup, uh, Curry Cup, and I think for me, besides success, is the culture in the team that he's built. Everybody, most players who've, who play under him, they say that with Dobson, what he is, he is a he is a people's coach, and the teams, the the generally is good home, is good culture in there, and also his teams tend to play really good rugby. So I just think if the Springboks are thinking sort of going outside the sort of the norm and outside of the the guys also that Russ has been working with in in, in, in sticks and and Dion Davids and and guys like Van Kron, I think. John Dobson would be would be a good breath of fresh air. I think I'd love to combine a little bit of what Rusty brings and with with um with with what John Dobson brings. And I think uh, if you're looking for something new, as in a a clean slate, as it, it sort of reminds me a lot of like a like in terms of where Scott Robertson was, where he was bringing something new, something out of the park. Where it's like I'm not saying sticks to them are and uh, and faster, but obviously they've been in the system, they've worked their way through. So I think it's almost that similar. It's almost that similar. Almost that that similar vibe where John Dobson's obviously outside. I'd love. I'd love to see what he would do with, with the side like that. If, even if it coached like an SAS side, or what he would do with the side of the Springboks in terms of culture and how how they'll play, um, and also just yeah, I think he would sort of he would try and challenge the the norm and try and challenge to see how the Springboks how they would play and sort of tweak. The way we play, I think, will be. I think, will be very interesting, and and I do think he he's put the work in. I mean, he is the most successful coach at the moment. Currently, we have at the moment more successful than a than a Yuan Ackerman. The most successful. I know Franco Smith is doing well now, but I mean, Dobson has the trophies more in the cabinet to sort of to sort of back him to, to back his argument up. So, and um, we've seen what he's done with the Stormers, who were basically fighting administration and things were falling apart, but still managed to rally the troops and come back with the URC title and arguably make them one of the best sides in the Southern Hemisphere slash Northern Hemisphere. So that'll be my case for Dobbo. Um, I hope they'll listen to me. And um, yeah, and, and he's got no issues with ticket prices as well. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, that, I guess that also puts another, talking about former coaches or former Springbok coaches, Jake White would not be happy hearing that John Furry is a fetcher that, that's being selected for the Springboks as well. Um, <laughs> I th- yeah, I think they are, it's, it's an interesting time. And obviously the big chess piece in trying to determine what to do with um, the new Springbok coach, I think it also depends a lot on what's happening with the current director of rugby, which is Rexy Rasmus, because I think, you know, truth be told, I mean, there's probably some coaches that perhaps wouldn't necessarily want um, to be working directly with Rusty Rasmus. You know, obviously people have, you know, their own sort of like personalities and visions and directions and maybe even want to call it egos that might 
either work well with with someone like Rassi or clash with Rassi. Like, for example, that's why I thought Jan van Kran would be a pretty good option if Rassi stays up until 2027, 2027 or one of the assistant coaches because they have that existing relationship with Rassi. So that's also something to consider. And Jared, it sounds like for now that Rassi is at least contract till 2025, but he is sniffing around and he yeah i mean he was considered for the Leicester job for example um in, in england yeah um i i think Leicester did contact him about the job so yeah i i think he's got the same clause that um ninova made use of now that uh he could get out after the world cup so yeah if initial reports said that uh both of them wouldn't be activating that clause but now we see that's not obviously not the case so so yeah I, i've i've got a um i picked up on today that there's um there's uh rumors going around that Rossi could end up joining um Leinster in 2025 and would then take over from leo cullen um and yeah, it sort of makes sense. It's it's obviously a lot of speculation at the moment, but Cullen's um, contract with Leinster expires in 2025. Andy Farrell's contract uh, expires in 2025. Rossi Rasmus's contract expires in 2025. It, it all sort of lines up uh, too well for everyone. So whether that happens or not is, is a totally different thing. But uh, yeah, it... it I, I think uh, Tala, you're right. Um, uh, anyone that comes in, obviously, has to be able to work with Rossi. And yeah, I, I, I didn't even mention any foreign coaches when you asked me earlier, but I don't think, um, especially with Eddie Jones contracted until 2050 with Australia, that we will see anyone um, come into the Springboks from, from abroad. So I don't think we should get excited about uh, Scott Robertson resigning from the All Blacks before his first test. And, and joining the box or um Dave Rennie coming in or or Ronan Agara. I don't I just don't see the box having a foreign coach yet, if ever. Maybe um Eddie Jones will be attracted by Tabletop Mountain again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that that would be amazing. But I wanted to say to Jared about the point about Rassi going possibly if you had to go to Leinster. I mean, it's bad enough he didn't go say go to that monster function last year, and he was and those weren't happy. He cannot now miss that function and then go coach Leinster. Then he, then he can never sit yeah. foot in Limerick again. <laughs> then he's done no, in Limerick no. forever. I'm I'm sure they'll be able to forgive him at, at some stage, Cooks. Um, yeah, yeah, I I I think there's still a bit of a soft spot for for Rassi in in Munster, believe it or not. Even though he has had uh, quite a bit of bad PR there, uh, I think. Uh, I think they still got a bit of a soft spot for him. We will have to, we have to check yeah. up with three, uh, three Red Kings and and see what he says. <laughs> no, hundred percent. But just to wrap it off. I would love one day in the near future. I would love to see a, a really good international coach get their hands on the Springboks. I think it'll be. I'd love to see what the dynamic is. I know, I know. Rassi mentions, and I think it was, and I was watching Final Whistle. And they mentioned yes, there is a certain different expectations and a different dynamic that comes with coaching the Springboks with everything that's happening in our country. But man, I'd love to see what foreign eyes would do with our Springboks and how they see it and how they would approach it. Obviously, I may have, have a bunch of local coaches, but I think someone, yeah, a Scott Robertson, a Dave Rennie, someone like that, how would they approach having 
like I was, I was thinking like someone like Scott Robertson, like imagine him going flip like with the best pack in the world with the James of like of Kobe, of Willemson, Orenson. It would be exciting to see how they would go about it. I think it would be, yeah, I think it would be so, so interesting to see how how someone from international, an international coach would do that spring. But I think it would be refreshing. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not berating any of local coaches. I think for the game of rugby, it would be a very interesting approach. The same way, it would be interesting to see like how a Rassi would take up a, an, an island in the, and uh, that would be that would be or for us to coach England that would be something something different something interesting as well like oh, someone one of a coach, a second coach coaching a Wallabies I'd love to sort of see something like that and see how 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 it will shape out yeah I think actually a big and sort of non-considered loser of uh, England uh, firing Eddie Jones early is someone like Rassi Erasmus who probably would have tried to angle himself for a possible job in Twickenham um, if it was available after the Rugby World Cup. Um, it could be see. available after the Rugby World Cup. Hey, you never know what happens there. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair. I mean, that's, that's also not out of the question. But I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you. S- I think it's been quite clear um, just him, like how he's been trying to talk to the press, like especially overseas, and you know, talked about sort of wanting a new challenge. That I think that's something that he would really strongly consider, and he would probably not say no to. And look, I think something that we haven't mentioned with Ninaba, but I think is implied, is obviously I imagine that the pay increase from coaching the Springboks to coaching Leinster is probably relatively sustain- substantial. Never mind, obviously, all the other benefits of living in a place like Ireland. So, you know, those sort of things and having a new challenge, that's definitely something that I think would um, appeal to someone like Rassi. And look, after coaching the Springboks and obviously being successful with them, the only, I mean, I guess there's only maybe three or four other jobs that would be at that similar level, which is England, New Zealand, but you probably don't see New Zealand hiring a foreign coach anytime soon. Um, France, and also similar reasons for that. And I guess Ireland now, because obviously they are sort of the new world power. So I think that England job would, would have been something that Rassi would have enjoyed. And yeah, I think the Leinster Ninaba fit is very interesting. I don't think, um, it's been a while since Leinster have gone for someone that has been this bit more sort of on the, yes, relatively defensive side. Um, I think the last one was probably someone like Declan Kidney, you know, someone that was a bit more defense first and everything. So be interesting to see how the the island template and the Leinster template sort of mashes with, you know, the aggressive Ninaba defense and how if he does stay, Jared, what's the name of the attack coach there by Leinster? I forgot his name now. Andrew Goodman. Andrew yes. Goodman. So how Goodman and Ninaba. If, if Goodman stays, because I think he's also someone that's a target for um, the New Zealand Super Rugby franchises, but how that combination happens. So, yeah, Jared, how do you see the sort of this Leinster-Ninaba um, combination? I saw some Leinster fans are really happy about it because they think that's they're missing that sort of bit of like mongrel that mm. obviously the Ninaba-type coach sides have in order to win, you know, the big stuff in Europe. Yeah, that's that's sort of the, the issue with... Um... Well, the issue Leinster fans have had over the last uh, few seasons is that they've come up against some of the bigger French packs and um, have come out second best. And 
yeah, it's it's not always just a thing about size, but they've sort of been beaten up physically in some of those matches. And yeah, that's not something you can say happens to to Springbok teams or Jacques Nienaber and Rassi Rasmus teams. So yeah, for them, I, I think it's a hell of a good fit. I, I can't think of a team that would have fitted Jacques Nienaber better than, than Leinster, um, I'm sad to say. But yeah, it, the the position he's coming in, he's coming in as their senior coach. Um, they don't have a head coach, they have a senior coach. And then Leo Cullen is their director of rugby. So you, you can sort of look at it, um, you can sort of say like it's uh, him coming in at the same role that he's in with the Springboks, but I think it's a little bit different in the sense that um, Leo is like what we would normally think of as a head coach, but um, he, he's lay, he's speaking to the press, he's laying down the groundwork, and then um, the senior head coach is then like he's, he's right hand, he's assistant coach, so... I, th- I think it works very well for Jacques. He doesn't like, um, I don't think he particularly likes the extra responsibilities that comes with a head coach position or in this case, a director of rugby position where he has to speak to the press and he has to worry about um, all the extra uh, politics and media um, uh, appearances and adverts and all of that kind of rubbish. I think he just wants to lace up and get on the field and coach and i think uh this fits him down to the t um i think at stuart lancaster was very much the same that he, he was down to get working and analyze and that's exactly where what he did at leinster and he thrived so i think it's a like for like replacement for for leinster in the sense that they're getting a very detailed coach and a very um analytical driven coach and uh, one that doesn't really want to uh, sit in the in the media conferences and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. But um, I think a lot of Leinster's fans' issues have been valid, and that Nienaber could come in and fix those things or steer them in the right direction to get them right. And uh, yeah, overall, it's a it's a great fit, and it's a very scary uh, fit for the URC, which uh, Leinster dominated the season and for the champions cup which they pretty closely dominating as well we will we'll see uh the semi-finals go yeah cooks i mean your first two jobs as pseudo head coach or what everyone calls senior coach in this stage is um for jogging you know, being the springbok head coach and the leinster senior coach i don't know if there's two better jobs to start off you know being like the manager of a particular company it's like being the manager of Coca-Cola then being the manager of Google. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a start. I mean, um, jeepers, whoever his agent is um, knows what he's doing. That person needs a raise, actually. That's the one that should ha- be handling Jude Bellingham's t- transfer to whether to Liverpool or Real Madrid. That's the, that's the guy that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I think it's... Oh, jeez, like, let's say the rich get richer. And I think it's, uh, it's incredible for Lance to pick up someone like Jacques Nino, but also I like how... Guys, six years is a long time to be involved in the side. I think sometimes cycles do come to an end, and I think it's you want to leave on a high note and then leave when things when things go to shit. But now, I'd like to know from you: Do you do you would you want the box to announce the coach now before the World Cup or afterwards? Let's see what happens in the World Cup. What would you What would you guys would like to see happen before we close up this topic? 
Yeah, I, I I think it's perfect that they get it out the way now. They put it out in the in the open, and uh, that we don't have questions during the World Cup. Uh, Shark, what's what's happening after this? Is your future still here with the box? Um, because something would have leaked by the time the World Cup came. Um, if it wasn't going to happen this weekend, it was going to happen in a month's time, or eventually something would have come out. So I I, I think something would have definitely come out, get it out in the open, put it out there in the news. And people can now talk about uh, who, who will replace Shark Ninaba instead of will Shark stay kind of thing. So I, I think it's good they get it out the way now, much like New Zealand did with, with Robertson, made sure that they got him and that he wasn't going to leave New Zealand before they had a chance to make him the All Blacks coach. Yeah, I kind of see it similarly to the um, the situation that happened in with the New Zealand, uh, uh, the All Blacks head coaching job. And well, obviously it's different because they were pushing out someone instead of the person leaving. But I think the best thing to do is then to just announce the next person sooner rather than later. Just I think with the coaching market isn't the same as it was in maybe in previous World Cup cycles where you can see that there's all these coaches that are available in the coaching market and they can all be taken. And the second thing is more and more um, the club sites are as much competitors for the big coach, yeah, for, for big coaches than, um, than international sites are. So obviously it's not like South Africa is really going to be getting, you know, a big foreign coach, especially, you know, due to the fact that we can't really offer them too much in rands. But, you know, I think it's a big thing to, if, if, if we are going to get someone, even if, yeah, for whoever we get, I would hope, and if there is hopefully some clarity that we can get about what Rassi's situation is, which I think is the first domino that needs to fall, then whoever then becomes a head coach after that can then fit his coaching staff as well. So if it is someone, if it is almost like, Let's you know play a bit of fancy rugby. If there is a sort of a coaching ticket of you know Rassi still as director of rugby, and then you still have maybe Davids and Stick, Mzalia Stick involved. You can um, put in someone like Mafana Antlek was involved as well, and Franco Smith, um, and John Dobson, and sort of like this big coaching super team. Obviously, all of those things need to happen like sooner rather than later, so that those teams that lose those people can find those coaches as well. So, yeah, I think it would be beneficial if that happens now, but I don't think it's likely. It doesn't sound like Rassi will make a decision anytime soon, from just from at least what at least one or two of the reports have said. So, it's I think it's all dependent on when and what Erasmus does and says about what he wants to do um, for the future as well. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think also the other big thing about just Zwandile Stick and, uh, as a potential head coach, I mean, obviously, I think it seems like he's the man that's been groomed and obviously he's been part of the coaching setup now for six years, or actually eight years, counting the Kutsia time as well. I, want, I wish, and that's kind of why I wanted Ninaba to continue until 2025, I really wish he had a chance to be a head coach for one of our URC teams, just to have that experience as a head coach and just so that he can, yeah, just, just learn those learnings about obviously managing a, a team. 
even especially like a team like the Lions, Nashash Wink Wink, for example, that you know you can manage week to week, learn how to sort of work with you know younger players and older players and all that sort of stuff, and then come into the Springbok team. I think similar to Ninob in a sense that you know Ninob has been an assistant coach and then he started the first his first head coaching job was the Springbok job, and I guess Rassi is there, but it is. I think still an adjustment. And I think there is some things that I think even with Nina, but just concerning circumstances, that was also probably a, also a little minor factor that maybe, you know, did maybe impact on the transition into sort of this newer era and then seeing some of the fruits of it now. But yeah. So if, 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 if in the perfect world, I think stick would have had maybe a year or two, you know, with the lions or maybe even with the twenties or something like that just so that he has that head coaching experience. But obviously he has all the knowledge about the structures. And by now, I think he probably, his next move is probably the best move for him is either, you know, being the head coach or trying to get a, a big coaching job either in South Africa or abroad. But yeah, I think the next few months will be very interesting. I think it also, I think hopefully it will help the players also just get some clarity. I, I I wonder if they had any knowledge of this before it happened. But yeah, I think it's quite clear now. Big last dance. Um, Cooks, Jared, I think you guys all watched that documentary, um, The Last Dance with Michael Jordan and the Bulls. That worked out pretty well for them. So I think sometimes it's good to know that this is sort of the last time players, coaches all will be together. So Cooks, are we, are we the Chicago Bulls? Are we the Utah Jazz in this documentary? No, we definitely the, the Chicago Bulls. No, we're gonna we, we, we're gonna we, we're gonna go in a high. I'm I'm just I'm very excited to see Jacques Dino's speeches now. When um, I think also Jacques Dino re, 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 probably resigned now because he's tired of the fact that the Springboks are going to play for South Africa and load shedding and poverty. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? You play for me now. You can't you can't do this for for, for two World Cups in a row. So Bucks are playing for him now. That's uh, I like his play. He's putting himself first. He's putting, he's putting the team first. I like Shock, you know, but can't always be fighting box playing for flipping load shading and things like that. They, they, they got the World Cup and the Lions tour. We can't go back that wall for a third time. So it's a good plan from Jock. I'll be playing for Jock. What? Everything we do is for Jock. Yeah, what is he, what is he going to speak about in Ireland? Like, Flip, it's cold, guys. And there's no more pimps there. Play for your potatoes. Minister, so I don't know what is. <laughs> Pay for but <laughs> Todd Furlong will be keen for that. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I feel like James Lowe with the new my pimps. Lowe, listen, buddy. Those, those guys didn't rate you. They didn't rate you, by the way. They didn't rate you. But I did. Even though I, back, even though I kicked the ball on you all the time, I rated you, buddy. But those guys didn't. <laughs> like, they see James Lowe was the world player of the year because of, because of all the speeches. You can't even say that to the Leinster boys. Everyone rates them now. We all get it. They're great. They're the world's number one team and they, you know, kill it in, in pretty much every competition. You can't even do the underdog thing with Leinster. No, you can't. Is Josh Van Der going to go, no one believed in me? Come on, man. That, you know what? Uh, this is why Jacques wanted to leave. He, he, he wanted to do a complete flip. Now he's going to go and tell everyone, uh, tell them, no, nah, everyone said you're the greatest. I'm telling you now, you're shit. Like, you're complete shit. <laughs> you wouldn't get into a Springbok shirt. You you wouldn't be able to play for Munster. I would not pick you for my Munster team. <laughs> that is one way of doing it, certainly. 
But yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I need to see that Leinster documentary, Netflix, Amazon, please organize it. We need to see what those um, speeches become. But let's move on now, speaking of Leinster, and then let's move on to the URC. So a big weekend of URC matches happened now and some big movements in the, in the URC table as well. Seeing um, in, with regards to the South African sides, there were um, four big matches and we won two and lost two. The Sharks started off the weekend um, playing against Benetton, as Cooks mentioned. Um, he he was in, in 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 Kings Park on Saturday, and they won forty three points to thirty three. Then it went to the Bulls, who had an early afternoon match in their doubleheader at Emirates Park um, against Zebre. So they won seventy eight points to twelve, and did their chances of qualifying for the for the playoffs and for the Champions Cup all the good. The Lions narrowly lost to Teddy Pendergrass and the Reese Ruddock All-Stars, um, 36 points to 39 in a quite a you know ding-dong match. The Stormers just, yeah, unfortunately didn't bring their kicking boots and they lost 24-26 to Munster, giving them also a pretty good chance of qualifying. And as the log stands right now, there's still battles for second. Ulster have now overtaken the Stormers for second place, so they are going to go into a shootout for, for, for second in this weekend's games. Um, Glasgow and Munster are pretty much clear. They've qualified. They are all probably in for um, the Champions Cup. And then between Connacht, the, the Bulls, and the Sharks, it's now a race for sixth because most likely because, well, eighth place will not qualify for the, for the Champions Cup because the Walsh, um, the Walsh Shield winner will, will, will win that. And then there's a possibility that the seventh place team will not qualify if um, Scarlets or Benetton win the, the Challenge Cup. So there's a lot to play for, and both the Bulls and the Sharks will need to hope for a favor from, um, from Glasgow as they face in Connacht and to see and to wish that one of them also drops down so that they can qualify. But yeah, Cooks, let's start with the game in Durban that you watched. Sharks against Benetton. I, I, think, I, I think I've seen the script before. Sharks... Flatter to deceive, but then some of their superstars do some superstar things to get them to win the match at the end. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think, again, Sharks defensively hurt themselves. I mean, going 14-0 down in the first five minutes, of the five to 10 minutes of the game, you think, oh, geez, here we go again. But listen, I mean, obviously the bent on side is a good side, but I just think the Sharks always <laughs> find themselves in trouble and then find a way to get out. But um I'm very interested. When I was watching the game on Friday, I was thinking about obviously come next season and whoever coach that comes in. I think obviously Nick Paul and David Rugby, new coach, going to come in. I just think whoever the new coach comes in, he's got to sort of have a license because to play. I mean, the Sharks look at their best when they throw the ball around. They look at the best when Lasico and Bosch and and um, Lucanio Amos are, are into space. They just look so much better with ball in hand. I'd love for them to see, obviously, if they're not getting a, an attacking coach, bring in someone like, look, I was thinking of someone like Swayze to Brain was sitting right there and what what could he do with that, with that Sharks backline or look, the Sharks with that Rock Nation cash, go to a new Australia and convince Scott Wisemantle to come in retirement and coach and, and be their tech coach. I mean, someone like that. Um, but yeah, again, it's one of those performances of the Sharks where it looks, it looks incredible at the stage and then it, it it doesn't look it doesn't look great again in in the next five minutes where it felt like they could score the world, but also they 
they just kept letting Benetton back in the game and you're thinking like it just feels now for the Sharks in order for them to win games they have to score for 40 points because they're going to concede 30 so it's a great match to watch but cheap as I think by the time the season's done Neil Powell's going to be grey and greyer the way they, they, they're defending and so yeah so if you watch the Sharks you, 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 you're getting 60 points so you, you, you're getting you're getting your money's worth but um yeah, so it is it, it is frustrating how the season's panned out for them. I think we all expected a lot better. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Cooks. Uh, I think part of the problem is is that uh, Paul's it's only his first season, and yeah, like we said uh, with Shark, is that we needed um, like we needed a bit of patience um, to get things right with the box, and I think it's largely the same with the Sharks, like. You can have all these star players, but you still need them all going in the same direction. And getting that right is is part of the problem. I don't think the Sharks help themselves like um, Ox trying to to get a uh, buy a penalty out of the TMO wasn't wasn't a great look either. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I love the man to bits, but come on, uh, like it, it it was just an asshole. Like we have just uh, like the. They just cleared out of their 22 and uh, you go and get a penalty against you like that and you're right back where you started kind of thing. So you know, a lot of stuff shooting yourself in the foot. Um, I don't know how, how long has Whiteley been there. Uh, he's running their defense. He's also a young coach. So I think uh, he, he still needs to get uh, get things right to his side. And I, I think eventually it will come right for the Sharks. I think it's just a patience game. And it's not their season this season. And we can see that maybe maybe they stun us and the Sharks go and they win from here and they win away to win the URC title and we have back-to-back for the South Africans winning it. Who the fuck knows? That would be fantastic for me personally, but yeah, I, I, I just can't see it. I don't know what you think, Cooks. No, 100%. I mean, I, I mean I'd love to see it. I still think whoever, whatever URC side you are, you, you still don't want to play the Sharks. Um, yeah, there's glimpses in the way they play and you're like, they're absolutely irresistible. So, I mean, the try that my PB scored, the breakaway try, when the move they put together, they're absolutely irresistible. They've got, a, they've got some of the players that they can, in a one-off game, I think the Sharks are a team you want to avoid, especially being a home side. I mean, um, I just hope the Sharks don't, like you don't want them to go to like Leinster first up or something like that, but I think, in a semi-final, mm-hmm. if I'm Leinster, or like we said, the Stormers, this, the last time I'd want to play is the Sharks. I mean, but I just think the Sharks obviously show themselves up defensively because you are right. I mean, there's been a lot of changes outside, besides players, but like management as well and young coaches. You know, the, the pure normals from um, from guys of, you know from Salborn, guys like that, Warren Whiteley, and I think there are glimpses there. And I think obviously the the are you look you look from the public's view. I think. Uh, I do speak a little bit as a Sharks fan, so like, sometimes my, my judgment is clouded because you always, always want to see the Sharks do well and grinds me that, for example, the, like last year the Bulls and the Stormers in the final, as much as I love the way the Stormers play, if there's two South African teams in the final, like, can, can one of them please be the Sharks? But mm. I think, mm. yeah, I think going, I, I think going forward, um, there's a lot, I think there's a lot more good, there's a lot more good and um, a lot more, I'm, I'm more positive, especially with the way the Sharks are going, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think this weekend, I think they will beat Munster this weekend. I think they, they have to front up. Um, and I think they will. I think they are a good outfit at home. And I think it won't be those games because they do tend to, to slip one. But I think with the box experience there, 
I think that's gonna that's gonna carry them through. And because for me, sometimes I don't know about you, the shots. Sometimes they, like which I'm, when I'm I'm hoping for come preseason after the World Cup, they'll have more time together. But the Sharks do tend to feel like a Sharks the, the t- a team that hasn't spent too much time together. Obviously, the box leaving and this and there. I think that's going to be an issue that they'll solve. But yeah, do you, but yeah, Jared going into this weekend against Munster. Obviously, it's a massive game for both. But how do you see going? How do you how do you see it panning out? Yeah, um, I I think Achia uh, being out is a little bit of a, a leveler for for the game. Um, with the Sharks missing Irvin, and I think we've lost. Aaron Andrews as well now, and uh, we lost um, the other Van Heerden, Emil Van Heerden. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think Achia being out uh, levels things out a little bit. And yeah, if you asked me this question last week, I would have said to you that I think the Sharks should win it. Um, but the performance Munster produced um, in Cape Town was just, it, it was fantastic. Like, it, that was that was a hell of a game, and yeah, I don't want to get carried away and start talking about that game yet because I just want to touch on um, Grant Williams, um, Mapimpi, and Noche all having great games Ooh, for the Sharks. Yeah, they were all they were all great. I'm 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 so happy for Grant. I, I bring it up every time we talk about him, but another great game, man of the match. Um, but yeah, like I say, if if I if we do look ahead, um, I, I would have. If you asked me last week, I would have said Sharks should beat Munster. We did it in the Champions Cup. We'll do it again. Um, but yeah, yeah, after that performance, Munster are really digging their feet in, and they want to end on the. They want to end higher up on the table as they possibly can, so they don't have to travel. And uh, so yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's going to be quite a tough one. But I think the Sharks can win, and it's going to be one of those days where the right Sharks team pitches up. Yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Talking about Grant Williams, is Grant Williams the fastest rugby player in the world at the moment? Jeepers, that moves like every time I see him in space. I mean, like Reno Smith is no slouch, but as soon as that ball popped up to Grant Williams, Reno Smith's like, "I've got no chance here. I'm done." Jeepers, Grant Smith. I mean, Grant Williams is blitz. He is, eh? He he really, really is. I, I, I think Reinach is probably one of the early players and Lewis Rees-Samet, they could probably give him a go for his money. Um, I know Johnny May is also ranked like rapid as hell, but he's also like aging a bit and had a few injuries. So I, I wouldn't put Johnny May right up there, but I'd say it's between Grant, uh, Lewis Rees-Samet and um, Corvus Reinach. Yeah, that's that's definitely that's definitely a um a great list. But um you well, mentioned Munster, Rico as well. uh, obviously the, Yeah, Rico oh geez, Rico's beautiful. Oh Rico is amazing to watch. I watch I'm watching him at um <laughs> in the Ellis Park game. Just him like on full stride, like watching like in real time. It's oh like it feels like he's gliding and it doesn't feel like he's moving okay, fast, so- but the gap's open. Are you talking about hey. uh, who, who? Who are you talking about, Cooks? I was saying Rico Yuani. Yeah, I'm thinking. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm talking about Rico Yuani. Sorry. Yeah, I mean he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. He's singing what? Yeah, singing Ellis Park last year. He box played him when he made a couple of breaks. Just glides on the rugby field. Like it doesn't look like he's mm. running past. Like, like it's it's effortless. Like like loose Zamet, Like when he runs, like <laughs> it's just so effortless. But it's just like it's. It's scary how how when they tried uh, Lewis Rizemo scored against the box last year in the well. There was no move. The wells just went wide, and it's just like mm. sorry, you, you gave me 
I have ten minutes on the outside. Sorry, I'm just gonna run around everyone. Not even like yeah, just never that much space. Just just pure 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 blitz. No, I love watching Rizemad run as well. He's proper guess. No, he's. But um, you mentioned Munster. Um, jeez, I mean, I, I did not think they would be the ones to break out the Stormers' home in the winning streak at home after a year. But you mentioned Jared. They put in an absolute. I know the Stormers obviously on their best and Monla box boots. He wasn't his best, but we'll talk about that now. But I just I think we have to give a shout out to Munster. That was heroic defensively and uh, and also just how well they played. I mean, Jerry, you touched on it, but I mean, yeah, this is your platform to tell people how good Munster was on the weekend. Yeah, it uh, it really was. Cooks, you know that like if I had my Irish team, it would probably be Munster. Like since Marcel left uh Ulster, it's <laughs> it's it's Munster through and through. Um but yeah, see, they re- they really really stepped up. I thought their more defense was outstanding. I, th- I thought that was the area that the sh- uh, Stormers could find a way back into the game, and just the work Sean Klein, Achias um, Neiman, Peter Omani, Gavin Coombs all did in that kind of area it was insane. And I think uh, Marvin Ori woke up Walcott, and once he did that, it was just tickets. Uh, like when I saw that happening, I was like, oh shit. Um, yeah, this is not going to end well for the Stormers, and yeah, I, I was proven to be right. Like it, it's he it just you roll up that guy, and he just gets everyone else behind him, and they just follow him. And yeah, he doesn't need the captain's armband. He had it for this game, but when he's in a mood like that, everyone just they they form a single file behind him, and they just whatever he says. And uh, he he was unreal. He was brilliant at the line out, brilliant over the ball, and yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I'm speaking as if Munster steamrolled um, the Stormers, but it was a fantastic game from the Stormers as well. I thought uh, Dan Duplessis and Ruan Null were incredible in the centers. Like the two of them, they've just, they've, everyone was talking about like how great Willemser has been at 12. And I didn't see a single mention about Willemser having to play 12 this weekend. Like he, Dan Duplessis and uh, Ruan Null just made those jerseys they are in. Their combination is just brilliant. Um, and yeah, yeah I, I think the two-point margin was fair. And yeah, people, I've seen a lot of people uh, putting all the blame straight on Marty LeBoc, which I think was, it's a little bit harsh. I think he had a bad game from the boots, but he didn't have an, a necessarily bad game overall. Um, and yeah, like I say, it, it, Munster, Munster looked desperate and they look hungry and I think it's the Stormers were as well in a way, but the Munster's desperation was just a little bit more than, than what the Stormers were and that's what got them over the line. Jared, quickly to touch on um, Arches Neaman quickly, I mean, I just look, just look ahead, we'll come back to the game, but He's looking very good again. I think as Bok fans, that make that, yeah. that is exciting. Do you do you think he's probably he's probably I mean the way he's playing, done enough to to to, to get that nineteen jersey back? I mean, it, it does feel like it's the one position since the last World Cup we haven't been able to to fall out. I mean, we tried like obviously Marvin Orius, uh, Salman Murat. It's it, it does seem like no one's actually made that jersey their own. So it does kind of seem like it, it, if. Arkestem was able to stay fit and carry on playing the way he's playing. I know he's out this weekend, but it does seem like you can easily start back in the number 19 jersey for the Springboks and just being another and 
for a bomb squad to be able to be a bomb squad, a, pro- a proper bomb squad again. Yeah, so I, I, I think a lot will depend on uh, how Jacques uh, wants to go about bringing him back into the team because I think he can come straight in onto the bench, no problem. But I think they might look at starting him with uh, Yevon missing the, the start of the rugby championship. So I think we might have Luit and uh, here starting and um, so is coming on a bit later. And we have Luit playing playing the the blindside well both of them sort of become blindside locks or tight head locks and uh we have Lewitt running it and so is coming on later to fall in for either one of them so yeah I, I could see him starting against Australia in the first test match of the year and they throwing him right into the deep end back into test rugby but the way he was playing for Munster this weekend it's a shame he's going to miss this game against the Sharks but he, he he's almost right up there to 2019 Akia. I don't I think he's 80% there and 80% there is probably about 2017 2018 Akia when he was tearing it up for the Bulls so it's it's such a joy to see no I think he's oh, he's one of my favorite players to watch I mean <laughs> you can't be that tall big and have the soft skills that he has I mean it's it's it still mind boggles me but um you know, the, the weekend's game, uh, just seeing, it's like, I've got this issue with South African rugby Twitter, and it's one of those things where, for example, like you get a player like Manuel Bok, who may have struggled initially, let's say, the start of his career, things went, didn't work out as well, so they have a stigma, right? And then like, and, and then people mm. develop a stigma about this player, where there's like, like Manuel Bok, Damon DeLinda, players like that, where they, they have a stigma early, and then what? It, and, and then sticks. they'll play well enough, and they, and they can't lose that They'll play. They'll have ten good games, or let's say two good, very two good seasons. Then they have a bad game. They're like, "I see. I told you, this guy's shit. He's always been mm-hmm. shit." And you're like, guys, like we can't just erase. You can't just go back to it. You can't like keep the stigma can't in your back pocket and wait for the sixty game. games that he did well, <laughs> and so okay, yeah, he, he was cracked again. Yeah, hundred percent. You're like, I mean, one of the arguably has, if you look at the last two years, has been the best, has been the best ten. So African ten, I mean, for the Stormers and Andre Pollard has snatched that back quickly. <laughs> I mean, the way he's playing, <laughs> but I mean, he has he has played himself in to being in the box mix, which is which is amazing. And he had a bad game, and his boot is normally very reliable. So I'm like, he's allowed to have a bad game, like you said, he had a bad game kicking for poles as opposed to kick as everything else. Everything else he was good at. So I think. It frustrates me uh, when, when as in certain sections of South African Twitter, rugby Twitter, it's when Oak has a stigma, Oak just can't get rid of that stigma. So like Mona Bok always has that, mm. yeah, but flip at the Bulls, he was this, but yeah, flip at the Sharks. I'm like, guys, he's not that same player anymore. He's back now by a coach. We've seen the rewards of what happens when he is back. We've seen when he has played for the box. He's, he's done stuff. So now, like, guys, surely he's allowed to have bad games. I remember him having a game. I think it must. It could have been Glasgow in in, in Scotland in the rain, pouring rain. He marshed in the game, mm-hmm. kicking kicks over. I mean, like that. Like one bad game does not flip and make him the old man Lebok. And that's for me the frustrating thing. I don't know how you feel, but that's one of my biggest. I mean, we're on social media quite a bit. Like that's one of my biggest thing. When Oaks have a stigma and a, and a guy, and some guys still don't think Damien Dillon is good. Because of what mm. what happened back in the day, they'll they'll never admit it. And you're like, guys, you can't live like that. 
So, so what I will tell you that I think is a bit concerning uh, from that Stormers game is that um, at no point did Damien uh, Valimsa take over the kicking duties. And I think that's sort of um, in a team where a championship winning team like the Crusaders or like Leinster or Toulouse or something like that, a guy's having a game like that, somebody comes to him or he sees it himself and says, okay, somebody else needs to take a kicking tee. Um, it's just not my day. And sometimes it's just not your day. And yeah, I, I think they, the Stormers, um, well, that will be spoken about in the Stormers camp this week and they can learn from it and they can fix it. And hopefully it doesn't come back to bite them in the latter stages of the URC and they have sorted that. But it, it, it is a concern. You've got more than one place kicker on the field. Why is only one kicking? But do you think, Jared, they're also going, okay, like he's having a bad day, but we know his qualities. So we're going to back him regardless and go, listen, we, you're going to kick the winning one over. You might, yeah. it's that thing, what you call it, you miss six, but you get the, you get the one we need over. And, and all that, where I think, I think the way sort of Dobbo's probably thinking is like, this is our guy. Well, we've, he's, we mm. can't just lose faith in him now. No, I, I, I get what you're saying, but sometimes you have to be a little bit of a realist and yeah, you, but for the mm. sake of the game, like you need to say to yourself or you need to go to your teammates and say to him, listen, I know you, you are my guy, you are my the guy I'll back, but today's just not your day. I'm not going to back you today kind of thing. You know what I mean? No, 100%. No, it is tough. But um, Stormers have lost, I mean, back-to-back games now, Jared. I mean, I think obviously it's been a, while. It's been a long time since, since, since I've been in those situations. But do you think it's all disaster in camp? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, look, I, I look at, for example, like I look at the, the Chiefs' loss. I mean, it's never easy winning in Exeter. A heroic monster performance and a Manila Bok. Manila Bok didn't kick as well. And yeah, okay, but, but mostly a heroic monster performance. I don't think things are bad in camp. I think they're still in a very good place to a chance. To, probably they'll be bleak. They couldn't finish second, but they should finish third. And hopefully... And, and hopefully they get a favor and in a finishing second. But overall, Jared, you think every, everything's happy? Still, still, a, still a good regular season. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I think they'll be disappointed that they lost their um, home record. But I, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters too much. I think, uh, well, it does matter that they might lose their home um, playoffs and the way Dobbo spoke afterwards. That was his biggest concern. He didn't. He said that the team didn't really mind about this uh, winning streak. They didn't make it all about keep maintaining the winning streak or the unbeaten streak at home. It was more about um, making sure they played their playoff games at home and they were disappointed about that. So I think that this is the kind of thing that could either um, break a team down completely or can galvanize them. And I think the way the Stormers have um, played last season and won the URC, I think it's more likely to galvanize them than to make them fall apart. No, I think so as well. But they got Benetton this weekend on Friday. Um, are you thinking, I mean, the, the, the new win, a new win streak start? Yeah, a new win, <laughs> a win streak start. I think obviously Benetton, yes, I mean, as well as they played last week. Um are you saying you think one-way traffic for the Stormers this weekend? Yeah, one-way traffic. That's it. Uh. 
I, 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 I can't <laughs> see Benetton winning. I, I think the Storm is going to come back with the with the. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be pissed off and want to make a statement. Hundred percent, especially to try and catch Ulster and hopefully and hopefully they'll get a favour. But um, let's go to uh, the Ellis land of the altitude with the Bulls and and Ellis Park, Jeepers Lions. Oh, Jared, unfortunately, in the weekend, Leinster, Leinster again. Um, I mean, obviously, it still hurts me how the Lions lost their game. I don't know how they lost their game. Well, but Jared, surely when teams, I mean, I'm sure Crusaders have the same thing to lose, have the same feeling. But do you feel like teams also crumble by just seeing the name Leinster, like Lions? Like, I feel like if they play anyone else in that position, with that sort of a lead, they, they close their game out. Is it because Lancer sort of pulls one back and Lions go, shit, okay, Lancer's coming back and making that run. Let's, let's sort of hold back and they pull another one back. Or it, It's got to be, the, there's, there's got to be something with that badge that makes teams just just fall apart. Yeah, it, it just sort of happens. It's that uh, Reese Ruddock, um, the Rolls-Royce Reese Ruddock uh, team that, yeah, people, it just seems like teams crumble when, when they're playing and, yeah. <laughs> They just never give in and they sort of just trust their systems and, and know that it will get them over the line. But yeah, I think uh, it, it was that Sam Prendergrass that had uh, such a great game and Chris Crosgrove. So they've got youngsters coming in and when they've got that chance, they need to they need take it to, to actually push through and take uh, like Sexton spots and, and all of those players. So when you get half a chance, they have to take it and they know it. So. I, th- I think that plays a big role in it as well. And unfortunately for the Lions, uh, it's, it's just not the same environment. And yeah, I felt bad for them because I think they needed a full 10 points from the last two rounds to, to stay in the fight. And yeah, it's now pretty much over this, this season with uh, this last game coming up. But you look at the Lions, Jared, would you say Saturday's game probably sums up their, their season? I mean, the first... 60 minutes of the first half were unbelievable. Um, unbelievable rugby. Nohamba, oh, Jesus, playing good rugby. Adolf van der um, Frankie Hall, all our stalwarts. I mean, playing amazing rugby. But then you look at how they close the game out. I mean, it feels like a, a kind of a tale of the season. Started off really well. There was a middle patch there where things, were, things weren't going as well. Obviously, they were saying things about how, how things were in the camp, um, eating hot dogs on tour and things like that. But do you think Saturday's game pretty much sums up the Lions' season this year? Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's that's pretty spot on. Um, it's just how it's been for the Lions, and they probably haven't had the squad depth to to go pretty far. You saw guys like Willem Alberts having a big game, and yeah, they were missing guys like Penta and Henkwe van Veek and that kind of thing. And it just it just all doesn't it doesn't. They don't have the same kind of depth as the other South African teams. They don't have the same kind of money. And yeah, I, th- I think you're pretty spot on. It's, a, it's just, it's a little microcosm of their whole season. And yeah, they, they, there's heart there, but uh, there's unfortunately just not enough to, to get them over the line and into the playoffs. 100%. And I think, I mean, we all love the Lions to be back in the playoffs. I mean, just... They play such good rugby, but um, I wanted to ask you, Jared. Um, Sunday, Sunday, Nohamba. Um, I think we mentioned him. Obviously, we've happy back. His resurgence back. Do you think potentially we might see him have a look in in the box mix? I mean, 
He's arguably the form's come off right now. I know we probably said it's come off in Faf, Kobus and and Jaden and obviously like Hoshi Yankees, but do you think uh Nohamba's played himself into maybe just a look in in the rugby championship or just so the coaches have a look at him and see what he can offer? I think they will keep a closer eye on him, but uh, I don't think he's done quite enough to get really back in the mix. I think as um, all-round players, Hendricks, uh, um, even Williams, um, I think all the other scrum-offs are more rounded scrum-offs, and I think Nahamba's just not quite there yet. I think he sparks the Lions' attack, which really uh, their style plays in his favour. And um, I think the same is true for Monet Funenberg. And they're both very good players, but I think uh, they're just not quite as rounded as even an out-of-form Herschel Yankees is and until they sort of work on their kicking game a bit more and um, add a bit more defensively, they're not going to really be in the, in the mix just yet. But I, th- I, th- I think they'll keep a closer eye on him and they definitely see him as an option going forward. I just think it's the next cycle for him and... They'll use 2023 for Reinach, maybe Grant, um, Jaden once he's back, and and Grant. Uh, well, I say Grant already, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's just we. It's it's a position. It's a place where we pretty well stocked, and he's just outside of picking order at the moment. Yeah, tough. I mean, well, it's nice to know that we can with five or six come off to sort of pick and play around with. I mean, a couple of years ago, it looked like. We had no scum off death, but now nice to know we have about five, six guys ready to go. But um, Lane's obviously... Yeah, I think uh, we, we saw so, also, like, uh, don't even mention Ambrose Papier, and he had a very good game oh, for Jesus. Bulls. I know the Bulls just yeah. blew Zebra away, but he's consistently been playing well for the Bulls, and so is Zach Berger. So, yeah, I, I think as a position where we're really well stocked, um, even if a lot of it is untested. Hundred percent, rather at least we have those the quality, there the numbers then as opposed to saying we have one or two and guys struggling for form. I mean, you can even pull, throw in Paul Duvet in there. I mean, he's basically been keeping Ocean on the bench. I mean, he's been playing very good rugby for the Stormers as well, so which is very exciting. Mm. No, exactly, and but, like um, I said, I think he's also fits their stress, uh, their game plan very well. Yeah. But yeah, he he's constantly getting better, and I didn't rate him, and yeah, he's putting me to shame at the moment. So that's always good when a player does that to you. Is it, is, is the, it's, it's Paul DeVette, um, Van der Fleer, so all, all the Leinster players, Jared, I, mean, I feel like there's, a, there's an agenda because certain players have against you now and, and, and just trying to make sure they put you to, put you to shame. No, exactly, man. Exactly. And, and I'm, I always said I'm very happy when they do that because, uh, you know, you, you never want to talk down on a player. So if you talk shit about them and they come back and bite you in your ass, you, it's always good, I think. Don't take it personally. No, 100%. 100%. But talking about Leinster, obviously they, they, they got the winner with the Lions, but now um, the Leinster Academy led by all the Reese Reader All-Stars, as, as Tyler calls them, are head up to Loftus to take on the Bulls this weekend. Um, news is that... Um, Joe Lancaster, Leo Cullen, and Goodman—they're all heading back to, they're all heading back to Ireland, and then Sean O'Brien, will, will, the academy team, will be in charge of the, of the Leinster side this weekend. But obviously, the Bulls coming off a massive win against Zebra. Um, before we touch that match against Zebra, I mean, obviously the Bulls dominated, but yeah, Jared, I mean, surely the Bulls this weekend coming off the Zebra win convincingly, the Curry Cup side got to 
got a great win as well. So this, they surely should be a bit of a resurgence there in Pretoria. I think they should, Jared. They should beat a Leinster Academy Leinster. We're talking about Leinster. <laughs> we just spoke about how they just seem to beat teams, and now you want to say that the Bulls are going to roll them over in the last uh, round of the of the regular season. Yeah, the Bulls can't lose to a team where all the coaches have gone. Like they're playing as academy now. Like, <laughs> even the coaches have even the coaches have pulled a sixty and gone to Italy. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, don't, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I think. Uh, yeah, the, I, I think the Bulls can, especially when they've got uh, Moody and Orange uh, starting. Like they, they are unbelievable together. Um, but it's, it, I, I don't want to write off Leinster. And I hope, I, like, I hope that the Bulls prove me wrong this week again, so that I have another team proving me wrong. But uh, I don't see them doing that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the the Rishrada All Stars will will beat them, unfortunately. Oh man. I- I think the Bulls, they definitely, obviously, I mean, they're on 48 points, Connacht on 49. I think obviously the Bulls, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for them to make, I mean, obviously to get the European Cup, the Cup next year, but I think they need to, I mean, the Champions Cup, I, I keep calling competition by the old names, um, the Champions Cup next year, but like, um, I, th- I feel like they have to surely. And Loftus, I think Loftus is, still has to be that fortress. You can't let... A whole bunch of academy kids here who feel like they're on a SA tour. First, they go to Ellis Park last week, and they go to Loftus. I mean, the coaches Leo Cullen speaking about how the boys were, how the boys were excited about just being in South Africa and, and, and playing these fancy stadiums. Chad, the Bulls got lose to a team that's on tour, a, a team that's on a space on a school's <laughs> tour and just basically sightseeing, and then happens to just play rugby <laughs> on the weekend. That can't happen. Uh, to, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I think it will happen, Cooks. Unfortunately, I think that will happen. <laughs> Man, Leinster. So Come, Jake, to prove us wrong. <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, please, Jake. Yeah, prove us wrong. Please. Come on. I mean, I mean Leinster's record is ridiculous. I mean, played 17, won 16, drew one. Those are the Stormers. I mean, to go through an entire regular season and beat, and that would be, that would be, something, that would be something ridiculous. But realistically, Jared, do you think, um, obviously, the Stormers look like they're in the Champions Cup next year. The Bulls and Sharks, it's a bit of a fight. Do you do you think we'll, we might just see only the Stormers playing European Cup, European in the Champions Cup next year? I mean, obviously, the Sharks and Bulls do need a couple of favors, but yeah, it's just, I can't. It's gonna be a tough for situation to see just the Stormers in there. Yeah, I think everyone's gonna be um, uh, calling for Franco Smith to give us a favor, and uh, we could probably get two South African teams in. I think that works out. Does work out. Could just about work out if uh, if uh, both are if the Sharks can win and uh, we get a favor from from Glasgow. So I think it's possible that we get three, but it looks like two might be the going rate and worst case one. So see, I, not not as shiny and glamorous as the first season, I suppose. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, if you let's say we end up with two sides in the. The Champions Cup next year. How would you summarize our before before we before we get into the players? How would you summarize our second season in URC? I mean, obviously last year we this time we dominated. I mean, two sides in the final. Now you look at situation with all our teams playing European in the, in the Champions Cup, but now we potentially have the Stormers in and the, and the other sides fighting for their lives to get in. I mean, 
you'd say, would you say the competition is caught up? Is that, is, would you say that the African teams have dropped or have you said the oppositions have gotten better? Um, I think it's a little bit of all of it. Um, I think if you look at the Lions, I think they have, um, they promised that like the early start that they had promised that they had gotten better. But I think overall, like the playing field has been leveled a little bit because we weren't playing in the Challenge Cup or the Champions Cup and they were last season. So their squads were a little bit more stretched than ours were. And um, we could trot the Springboks out when the Rishradic All-Stars came to South Africa and we could give them a little bit of a wallop. Um, so I think. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's sort of leveled the fl- playing field and I think we've seen a little bit of a fairer um, representation of the league this season. Um, but but yeah, I, I think sides like Connacht have really stepped up to the plate and Munster have improved. So I think it's a little bit of all, but I think the, the playing field has definitely been leveled. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think... Jake White mentioned last year about how difficult it is, obviously, managing. But I think Jake White tried to do that whole approach of using the same squad for Curry Cup and URC, whereas where other teams just went to one squad for URC, one side for Curry Cup. And, and I think, yeah, I think that's the lesson we all learn going into our third season about squad management. You look at someone like the teams that are used to it, the, the, the Leinsters, they've almost essentially have two sides. I mean, I mean, Johnny Sexton only plays... URC to sort of a warm up in, in, in September and then sort of heads back into Ireland duty. And you look at how Munster use their side and how big those squads are. I think obviously, hopefully, we might see an increase in squad sizes for our South African team so we can cope when the box on there, like if swap before the Sharks. But yeah, it's interesting to see how the the living the, the, the level field is, the playing field has sort of become level. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how we bounce back. And obviously, as we head into the playoffs, it's going to be. Now the Stormers arguably not have could not have a home semi, so yeah, it's going to be very interesting. But going to this weekend's fixture, last round of the URC um, Friday night. By the way, Jared, how good is Friday night rugby? I'm a big fan of the Friday night rugby. Like, yeah, it's much better than Thursday. My favorite thing about URC. (laughs) (laughs) Jared, don't 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 get me started on those on those Australians. I must say, I do, I do enjoy it a bit more now that the um, the time zones have, have moved to just an hour difference. So I do enjoy it a bit more then. But uh, yeah, it, it is good. It's very, very good. Um, and especially if we get a game like the Sharks produced last weekend, um, it sets a good tone for the weekend. And yeah, I, I, I enjoy it as well. 100%. Exactly. If it's a good, they tend to be, Fridays, Fridays tend to be very good games. Like, I think even this Friday is your good, good games. I mean, mm. Friday we've got Stormers Benetton. That should be a good one. Ulster Edinburgh, that, that also, that's a good one. And then Saturday, Lions second Zebra at one o'clock. Oh, that is, likely the Zebras came to Joburg in, in the middle of autumn. If, if they came in fair playing one o'clock, we've been out of <laughs> 35 <laughs> degrees altitude. Ooh, tough scenes. Dragons play Scarlets. <laughs> Bulls play Leinster. Ospreys Cardiff. Sharks Munster. And then, a big one for us, the Africans, Glasgow, Connacht, where we need Franco Smith to pull us a favor. We, we are, Franco must remember all these South African roots and um, do us a big one. But um, at all those games, Jared, which one are you looking forward to the most? I'm going to that, that double head of the Lions, Zebra, and the Bulls, Leinster game. So I'm looking forward to seeing Leinster live for the first time. Um, but in, in which games are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I, th- I think that Sharks uh, Munster game is probably the best one of the of the weekend, and uh, yeah, 
I, I'm saying that with um, knowing that the Glasgow one is probably going to be the most watched one that everyone sort of tunes in to see if uh, Hugh Jones and Franco can can do a favor for everyone. So yeah, I'd, I'd pick out the Sharks game. Um, yeah, yeah, we we better get a full um, rundown of Ellis Park and how, your experience at Cooks. It's Loftus. No, it's, it's, sorry, uh, not Ellis Park. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's my first time at Loftus, so my my stadium connoisseur ways will definitely be in a, in full, in full in in full mode. Yeah, I've never been Loftus before, so I'm I'm very keen. So especially that's there's two games. There's even a Curry Cup game at the at the I think in the evening as well. So flippers, I feel bad for the ground staff at um at Loftus because that field is not going to be in a good state to come Sunday come Sunday morning. Yeah, full trip, uh, full triple header. So th- that's a uh, good value for the for the Bulls fans there, and uh, yeah, yeah, Cooks, you, you know, if you need a place to stay, hey, this PSP Cesar is around the corner. Eh? <laughs> I'll give him a shot. I mean, I was planning to go on the cow train, but um, listen, if maybe I have one or two beers, <laughs> too many at Loftus, I might give you a call. So I might have, uh, have a guest house sort of check in too. But Jared, before we yeah. wrap up, um, any weekend shout outs? Any shout outs you want to have, or anything you want to plug? Um, let me know. Yep, I, I think Tyler plugged my um, articles early in the in the podcast. But yeah, shout, I'd give a shout out to Dion Free for uh, having that chat with me. And yeah, go check out that article on Planet Rugby. Nice. I think my my weekend shout out has to go to Flip Lostic. Was a crazy, crazy weekend of schoolboy rugby. Um, I did I did shout out uh, Gray Bloom, and they did manage to beat Otaniqua. But after one of the worst tackles I've ever seen on given a red card, um, given a yellow, so they survived that. But I mean, we had results like uh, K- PSL in PE beat Salborne in East London, which was massive. Oakdale beat Paul Boys, Northwood beat Glenwood, at Glenwood, JP beat Monument, Durbanville beat Rondebosch. It, it literally was a weekend of surprises in Scuba Rugby. So looking forward to another... Very, very good weekend on scuba rugby. Obviously, with Boulder Clover coming up next weekend. But um, yeah, hoping for more, some for more surprises on the schoolboy rugby front. But um, yeah, Jared, thanks for joining. Uh, Tyler obviously had to leave us early, but um, yeah, another great pod. Another it's always good to chat rugby, chat Springboks, chat URC for you guys at home. Enjoy the rugby this weekend. There's going to be some high, high quality rugby, and let's hope that uh, we have two. South African or three South African teams playing uh, in the Champions Cup next year. Cheers, everyone.